0: Okay, so we're talking about presence-centered church, and uh, in this session I'm going to talk to you about presence carriers. Um, Presence-centered churches are made up of presence-centered people, because the church is the people, not the building, you know that, but they are people who know how to carry the presence of God wherever they go. That's what this talks about. The choice was given to Moses of an angel, we were seeing last session, instead of the presence of God. But that didn't just come out of the blue for Moses, but it came out of a foundation of walking with God that way in their history as the people of God. So right at the beginning, it said that they were led by the presence of God uh, in the Exodus, by the cloud in the daytime, and by the fire at night. That's how it started for them. Exodus 13 and then it says that they were surrounded and protected by the presence of God where it says the Lord fought for them against the Egyptians. Anybody need the Lord to fight for them against some enemy? That was again in Exodus 14 and then within two years of the Exodus we find that God commands the people to encamp around the presence of the Lord with the tabernacle, which is his visible, tangible presence for them, in the center, arranged in the shape of a cross. How about that? Uh, God himself commanded that in Numbers 1 to 2, so that everyone lived and breathed and worshipped around that encampment. And so the question to Moses, do you want an angel instead? It was kind of a no-brainer. I mean, why would they want it to be any other way? This is what we've always known. This is how the church started. This is what God did. Somebody shared that earlier. You remember when we came here last time. This is what God did. That's what it's about. Why would we want it to be any other way? It's not a harking back for the good old days. It's a standing on the foundation of what God has done. And why would we want it any other way? Because that's the way it gets done. Amen. We need his presence. We need the power of his presence. Otherwise there isn't a church. That's what I think anyway. Amen? Amen. So they already had the foundation of distinctiveness around his presence. And that's what we want. Which is why I'm convinced that the Old Testament, you see, was just a foretaste of all that was to come in the New Testament. So let's take a look at our foundation here in the New Testament. Because through the cross, because of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit we're brought into an even greater history of intimacy because of his presence through the Holy Spirit. So do you know what you're called for? This is it, to be his presence carriers wherever you go, as individuals and corporately together as church. It's what we were born for. And it all starts with Jesus. Jesus Emmanuel. Starts with Jesus. He was announced by the angel in the book of Matthew with this astounding revelation. They will call him Emmanuel, God with us, his presence with us. And th- just this revelation, is so I mean, we can get so used to it. It's Christmas, it's something you say at Christmas. No, we need to get so excited about this all over again and not too used to it because God isn't in a box anymore. <laughs> He's not in a tabernacle. He's in a man through one miraculous birth. Meaning that our access to him isn't governed by ceremonial laws and regulation. We're no longer distant because God came to earth in the man Jesus. And he came very close. And Jesus was the very first presence carrier. The prototype type man. Living, breathing temple of the presence of God with us. God amongst the people not just his people even but all people you see the difference not just his people all people as Jesus walked and moved the actual presence of God went with him and was tangibly demonstrated and experienced by those around him the miracles would just break out wherever he was things would happen just because Jesus entered the room A lady starts to cry. She breaks a box of perfume over him. Her tears wash his feet. She dries his feet with her hair. She doesn't see the scowls of those around her. She doesn't care about their legalistic judgment. For her, in that one profound moment of encounter, only Jesus exists. Only her act of worship in the presence of God matters. He goes to a synagogue. It turns out that demons go there too. A man cries out because the presence of God makes them very uncomfortable. Because they don't like to be where he is. Leave him, Jesus commands. The demons shake the man and come out with a shriek. And they run for terror as far away as they can get from him. From the presence. From that place that Jesus has just entered. And even a whole region is affected when Jesus crosses the lake. And visits the garrisons and sets a man free. The people of that place are so terrified by the power of God. That they beg Jesus to leave their town and their region. I mean can you imagine that? Please will you guys leave Hatfield? Will you leave Hertfordshire? You are messing up this region with the presence that you carry. You're, the presence that you're carrying is disturbing a whole region. Can you imagine that? Do you think we can affect a town like that? A region like that? A workplace like that? A family like that? Do you know what you carry? (laughs) Wherever Jesus went, he carried the presence of his father and so sickness would leave people. Others would repent from their sin as they encounter him. The dead would be raised because his very presence pulsated with life from a kingdom where there was no death, no sickness, no crying or pain. Jesus was the perfect presence carrier. God with us, God in him, the Father working through him. In the Old Testament, you see, God lived around his people, ahead of his people. He even went behind his people and surrounded them but he couldn't come near them. Because otherwise as he tells Moses on one occasion. I might break in, in on them and kill them. I'm so glad you didn't come near me then Lord. <laughs> because he's a holy God. And he couldn't come near them. But in the New Testament. We have this new revelation. He lives with us. More than that. Within us. Just as we see in Jesus. God living within his people although even for the disciples there was some confusion about this and so one day philip says to jesus jesus can you show us the father can we see what he's like and jesus says look anyone who's seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father don't you believe that i am in the father and the father is in me there it is jesus says the father is in me and i am in him we are united together in this mission And he goes on, it's the Father in me who's doing the work that you see. That's how you get to see him, through the work that I do. Showing us the works that Jesus did came from the Father's presence living within him. And he says, if you don't believe what I'm saying, at least believe on the evidence of the works or the miracles themselves. How about that? So if you don't believe he's in me, just look at the miracles. You can see the Father in the miracles, Because those miracles come out of his presence. Look at the miracles that happen all around me. You've been with me. You've seen me. Stuff happens. That's him. That's what the father looks like. His presence through me. And Jesus in these words gives us the key to the miracles he performed. It's all about the father. It's all about his presence being manifest through me. It's how I make the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead raised, because I and my Father are one. We're perfectly united. But isn't just Jesus, Keith, the miraculous? It's ours too. Jesus said, I "Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works and miracles that I've been doing, and will do even greater things, because I'm going to the Father." Because you see, Jesus was not to be the only presence carrier on earth. That was never the plan. He was returning to the Father, why? So that everyone who believes in him, those who were with him, those who would come after him would do the same things and greater things. I mean, what does that mean? Well, it means it's multiplied. Greater things, because in his return to the Father, there was to be a phenomenal release of power that would enable a multiplication of presence carriers. People who would then go and make disciples in this model and change the world. Anybody up for changing the world? (laughs) You know, there have been all kinds of debates over the years about how miracles happen. You must have heard some of them. Some have made it about prayer. You just need to pray more. And prayer is very important. Some have made it about doctrine. while well, teaching and doctrine is also important. And some have made it about a man or a woman and written books about their lives and studied their stories and techniques. And this is all good stuff, but we've missed the one most important thing. It's about being connected to him. It's about being his presence carriers. It's about ministering from that place, from out of the glory of his presence. And we need to stop making it all so complicated. Miracles come from the presence of God. Stop making it complicated just feel like that one needs to land. Is anybody excited about that at all? I, I, I'm just wondering if I'm talking on my own here. Miracles come from the presence of God. You love the presence of God. You as a church are founded on the presence of God. Miracles come from that place. And miracles come from the presence of God when you, where you go, where you go. You carry his presence with you. Miracles come from the presence of God. Is that your expectation? And I'm not saying it to beat you over the head with it. I'm saying it to release you. (laughs) There's freedom in that. It's actually, I I carry the presence of God. Stuff's going to happen. When you go into, I went into a shop recently. And a man starts screaming and shouting and screaming. He was demonized. I'd gone in the shop. So I said to my wife, look, it's Saturday. I'm not going to do anything. It's my day off. (laughs) So I went to the other end of the shop while he was led out of the shop. Nobody could explain what happened. I walked through central Birmingham and a woman jumped out and shouted at me and screamed and tried to get hold of me and then fell beside me. The presence of God disturbs things. That's what it means to be a present carrier. Where you go, he goes. (laughs) I just feel like I want to break that through. There's a revelation for you guys here. It's taking his presence more than just your Sunday meetings. It's taking it wherever you go to be a presence carrier and change the world. It's about ministering from that place, from out of the glory of his presence. Jesus made us this astounding promise. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I don't think we've quite grasped that yet, do you? We haven't stepped into the realization of this yet, have we? When we carry God on the inside, we have everything we ask of him. From that place of intimacy, from that place of unity with the Father, anything can happen. I don't understand this enough to teach you but I do know that the closer we are to him the more of him we are able to see and the more of the impossible realm in which he lives becomes possible for us. It starts with us being presence carriers which is what Jesus was all about. He was about multiplying presence carriers he says, if we just keep loving him and do what he says, he'll send the Father, he will ask the Father to send to us another advocate to help you and be with you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's someone who the world doesn't know or even recognize, Jesus says, but you know him, for he lives in you. And he's been with you all this time. He's in me. There's the clue. He's called the Spirit of Truth. And Jesus was talking about the outpouring. Of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the very presence of God. Living in us and through us. And he tells us that love. Is the ultimate revelation of his presence. In us and through us. That through him. The father the son and the Holy Spirit. Will come and make their home. In each of us. Who love and obey him. That's John 14.23. Oh it's about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, but let's not become over familiar. I've said that already today. It's such a key. Let's not become over familiar with this teaching. That It's through the infilling of the Holy Spirit that God literally makes his home in us. We become his temple, just like Jesus, his mobile presence carriers, wherever we are and wherever we go. I mean, did you realize who you're driving today in this car? called your body the temple of the Holy Spirit you are driving royalty around did you realise that? has that picture ever caught your attention? I mean if you were literally driving Prince Charles around you'd drive carefully and you want to make sure he was happy, whatever you think about royalty but you have the king of all kings sitting in your car called your life and you love him and obey him and anything can happen because he's there This is how we do the works of Jesus. This is how we do miracles because God lives in us by the Holy Spirit. And so we minister to others not through formulas, not through arguments, although arguments can be helpful, not through perfect document with doctrine with every I dotted and every T crossed, but in liberal dispensations of his presence throughout us, through us, in us. Are you with me? This is how the disciples worked miracles after the day of Pentecost. The book of Acts is full of the acts of the Holy Spirit. The manifestations of the presence of God working through the hands of the apostles just like Jesus showed them. So Peter and John are going about their business one day. They're off to the temple to pray when a disabled man cries out to them asking for money because he's got no ability to work and earn for himself and he's quite unable to walk. Now Peter... Works for the church, so he has no money. And uh, (laughs) that's just a joke. It's a joke. Um, But he turns to the man, and he speaks to him from within the name of Jesus, where he lives. I speak to you in the name of Jesus, from within that name, from the place of my occupation in that name. (laughs) In that place of his presence, and he says to the man, get up and walk, which he does. And to speak in the name, in, from within that name, from within that place of occupation, is not a formula or a magic spell or an incantation, but a place of occupation and authority. We speak from that name. This is true to such an extent that in some other places, we see the disciples commanding healing and performing miracles without even saying the words in the name of Jesus you notice that? Get up and walk. I'm in the name. I'm so identified with that name. I'm so identified by his presence. Peter lived in such an atmosphere of the presence of God by the Holy Spirit that it says in one place that people would lay the sick out on the streets as he passed by because even his shadow was infused with power from the anointing that he lived under. And they would be healed and delivered from demons. Just as he walked by. Similarly with Paul. At one time the glory of the presence was so tangible around Paul. That even the handkerchiefs or items of clothing that had touched his skin. Became infused with the presence of God. So that when they're taken to the sick. They were healed and demons would flee. Have you done that one yet? Why not? These men were presence carriers. Who knew how to operate, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, to release miraculous power, and so heaven would come and miracles would happen all around them, just like Jesus. And these things are also open to us. We're called to do the same. Anyone getting excited yet? <laughs> Say Amen or something, you know. <laughs> I'm being cheeky. You hardly know me. I'm cheeky. I'm hardly ever serious. Um, But the church then, let's bring it up again. The church. It's the corporate presence carrier. The church is the corporate... It's the corporate dwelling place of God on earth, 2 Corinthians 6.16. It's his body, 1 Corinthians 12.12. His temple being built together on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Jesus at its cornerstone, Ephesians 2.20. The church must be the corporate presence carrier on earth for the sake of having really good meetings. No. Some have made it about that. It's for the sake of the whole world. The church must be empowered with the Holy Spirit and see miracles because of who dwells there. Otherwise, how can it really be a church? Controversial maybe. If you don't see this stuff, I really believe that as we come together week to week, that we are right to expect things to happen. That should be our expectation as we come together. People will be healed. People will be set free. We see people set free almost every week in our meetings. And you'd hardly know it's happening, it's so common. People should expect to find direction of us, not have to go to a fortune teller. It's true. There's such an openness out there for people, they're desperate, they need direction. They shouldn't have to go to a medium to contact their dead parent to ask what to do. They shouldn't. The church has the answer. We are the living, breathing manifestation of his presence every time we meet. But I don't think this happens automatically or in every place. I think some people are happy with just going through the formula. I'm being provocative. But you did ask me to come and speak. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, you know, as the years go by, I am increasingly convinced that it's how we build church together that determines whether God's presence lives in that church or whether he merely visits. Lord, I don't want you just to merely visit. I want you to be the host. I want you to be Lord. I want you to say what goes on and we do it. Amen? This needs to be cultivated. That atmosphere, that focus, that emphasis, it needs to be maintained. It needs to be built upon, even extended as you grow and others are added in. Because there are people that will be amongst you in the future who didn't know about your heritage. They didn't know about the foundations or or those decisions that you made years ago. We are going for the presence of God. And we're doing, at the moment, we're doing back-to-back membership courses in our church because we're realizing that as people come in, they don't know our journey. They're just coming in because this is an exciting place to be and stuff's happening. You need to understand why. We're taking people through it week after week at the moment because we want them to come in on the same foundation so it doesn't get watered down and doesn't get lost. And we need to pass it on to future generations too. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, there's no other way to do church than his presence. No other way. I don't want to be part of a church like that. I'll stay at home and watch TV. It's more interesting. So if you're to be a presence-centered church, it means being full of presence-carrying people. Are you? <laughs> Are you one of them? Is that what you want to be? Anybody? <laughs> I'm so cheeky, aren't I? You will never invite me back. I'm just... I, do you know, I had to have a, I've got to tell you this story. There's a man in my church. I love him so much. He's very proper. And he doesn't quite get me but he likes the church and he went on a trip with me and I had to sit down with him after a couple of days and say look I just need to explain something to you I'm hardly ever serious you know hardly ever I'm, I'm not being serious when I say that stuff and I said so I'll tell you what I'll let you know if I'm being serious because he didn't seem to be able to quite work that out and so he said right okay mm. yeah he's a banker you know let me just think about that. He says, Look, well, in that case, I need to say to you, I'm hardly ever humorous. <laughs> so um, if, I ever, if I'm ever being humorous, I'll let you know. Because <laughs> literally, you can't tell. you will come to me and he says, I've got this really good joke. And he'll tell you this joke, and you think, It's not even funny. <laughs> Anyway, I just thought you ought to know that about me. I'm cheeky. I like being cheeky. But we've got to live as presence carriers. And if you are, if you are living as a presence carrier, you will soon find out that it's true. It's not something you say, I want to do this. You'll know if you are. Why? Just like for Jesus and his disciples, stuff will just happen around you. It will. It will. Stuff, you know, what happens to dark when light enters? <laughs> yeah? What happens to hate when love enters? What happens to misery when joy enters? What happens when your atmosphere encounters an opposite atmosphere? Something happens. Conversations will just take place. Why did they talk to me about that? People will just tell you things. They won't know why they're telling you, but they'll just have to tell you, I'm really struggling. I've got this really awful thing going on. Hold on a minute. This is the office. And you're just pouring your heart out to me. Some will even be uncomfortable around you or even react to you. You know, sometimes the trouble you've got in the office is nothing to do with you. There was a lady in my office. She'd react every time I went in. Poor thing. She needed deliverance. And she created all kinds of havoc for me and told all kinds of things about me. And in the end, I decided to go and sit with her and just talk and just lower myself and reassure her that I wasn't out to get her and that I wanted to help her. How can I help you? How can I help your job to go better? I'm not after your job. It's okay. Because she could sense the authority that I carried some people might even burst into, into tears in your presence and not know why. That's what happened when I led that lady from the council into the prayer room. She just burst into tears and then the story all came out. And we were able to minister to her, even as an unbeliever, and just encourage her. Presence carriers change the world because they are those who live in the outflow of God's presence which means two things I think I want to say just as I bring this into a landing. It means prioritizing the presence of God. You're getting that message yet? (laughs) If this doesn't happen in your private walk, you might go to some great meetings, which others have worked hard for, but there'll be little sustainability for the long term. A you know, corporate encounter alone means we build a church that feels like a weekly conference rather than a sustainable presence-carrying local church. You know what I mean? Sunday might be a high for you, but the rest of the week we struggle to get through because we need to get through to Sunday for our next Holy Spirit fix. Each of us individually need to have a deepening water level individually, getting filled throughout the week so that when we come together, we meet out of the outflow of what God is doing rather than our lack, desperation, or insufficiency. How would that change church worship leaders? Do you know the first, listen, I'll give you this tip for free. (laughs) Most Sunday mornings, the first two songs are warm-up songs. And the worship leaders hate it. But there is a way of shortcutting that. (laughs) (laughs) And it's because people don't come to church full of the Holy Spirit. They come full of their weak. Full of the argument they just had with the wife. And the pastoral people will pick up on this and they'll try to minister to it. You can't. You can't. You'll just grind everything to a halt. We have to start with getting filled with the Holy Spirit. So quite often in our church, if I sense that at all, i say, right, let's stop. Come on, let's just get full of the Holy Spirit. And then the whole atmosphere will change. Just get full of the Holy Spirit. Come together full. And if you imagine what happens when rivers collide, that's what the presence does as the people of God come together full of the Holy Spirit. And we start to worship out of the outflow, the overflow of his presence in our lives. Amen. Amen? And you guys were pretty full. You spent some good time together over this, yesterday. You could feel that as we came together. There was a, an expectation. There was an openness. But it isn't the same every week, is it? Sometimes there's a bit of a grind and nobody wants to worship and heating's no good. It's been set up. Oh, get full of that. Stop. Come on, let's get full of the Holy Spirit. Let's start again. Worship leader needs to be given that permission as well just say okay let's stop everything sorry we started too quick let's just let the Holy Spirit come and fill us Amen Amen. each of us need to be deepening and that's about prioritizing his presence in our lives making him the reference point for all that we say and do And, and so many of us have got this idea in theory but not in practice so think about how you start your day and how you finish it. You know, when you lay down at night, what's your last thought? When you wake up in the morning, what's your first thought? Who is your first thought? And the decision you decisions you take, how much sway do you give to his presence? My dad is a very wise guy, and he said to me, making decisions, try and imagine yourself fully into that place. Where feels more peaceful, because that's where his presence is. That's a really good tip, isn't it, for making decisions. How much sway do you give to the weight of his presence in your decisions? Are you sensitive to him? Are you willing to be? In your rest times, do you involve him? On your day off, I'm not going to pray today, it's my day off, some church leaders say that. I'm going to pray today because you might tell me to do something. But do you ever just spend time sitting and waiting in his presence? For me, I'm a night person not a morning person and I love love sitting in the conservatory late at night with all the lights off hearing the sounds of the garden the night time and just sitting there enjoying his presence. A friend of mine he likes to have a cup of coffee with the Lord. And he literally sets out two chairs in the morning, he gets a cup of coffee for the Lord, and a cup of coffee for him. <laughs> Sometimes he gets a bottle of wine out, but he says, the Lord prefers spirits. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> he said, the trouble is, I don't know what I'm going to do if one day he drinks that coffee. <laughs> but guys come on lighten up just have fun just talking to Jesus just talk to him like you would a friend it's recalibrating your heart to that priority it changes everything and it will make you a presence carrier and the second final point is it's about embracing a lifestyle of risk if you want to (laughs) be a presence carrier it might be a bit surprising to add that one in here Uh, again I'm being provocative But presence carriers feel the tug of the Father's heart for those around them. And you'll find this compulsion if you're a presence carrier to step out and step into places that you've not been before. Because his presence in us isn't a passive thing, but a powerful person. And the knowledge of this means that you will want, even want to step out and go where he goes. Some people step out of boats and walk on water. I haven't done that one yet, but... His presence, it's his presence, you see, not obligation or guilt. It compels us and gives us courage to do what we can't do alone. And when you do this, when you step out with him, you'll get stories and you'll see miracles. Some people complain to me that they've never seen a healing or never seen a miracle. And they sort of sit on the back row and grumpy like this. I often feel like, because I'm not, you know, I'm really pastoral like this, but I'll say things like, well, it's because you've never really tried. When did you last pray for somebody for healing? I did it once and it didn't work. No, you can keep doing it. Because the more you pray for people, the more you learn about how to pray for people. James says you have not because you ask amiss. Well, I better learn how to ask properly then. Just saying. You know, I love having opportunities to pray for the sick wherever I go, just because every time, and I often say to people, can I practice on you? i'm learning how to pray for people with certain conditions can i practice on you just have a kind of good attitude to just having a go it's all right to make mistakes or if you've never prayed for the demonized (laughs) you'll never see people set free and early on i avoided this because it creeped me out um but I've practiced and learned so much so that if you were standing next to me as I cast a demon out, you'd hardly know it's happening because most people are set free just in the presence of God. Perfect love casts out. You just love somebody. I've got to tell you another story. I did something that you should never do. So young guys, you should never do this. Um, Especially young guys in today's atmosphere. But, as a young Dutch girl worked in my office uh, when i was when I was a lawyer, and I used to be somebody you know and uh, and she came into the office said, "Oh, she looks a bit sad today and without even thinking about it, I did the unthinkable and I just put my arms around her and gave her a big hug as she walked into the office and then suddenly as i 've got her in my arms and she 's starting to snuggle in a bit <laughs> I think, what on earth am I doing? This isn't church. This is the office. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so uh, have a really great day, and it's so good to see you. Thanks for coming this morning. I know you're a bit late, but that's fine. It's okay. I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, what did I, what did I just do? And I went into my office, shut the door, and I prayed frantically. Anyway, that girl then goes to my secretary, who's a Christian. She became a Christian in my office. And she, said, she goes and says, oh, Sienna, you're not going to believe it. She said, Rob just hugged me in the middle of the office and everybody was there. And it was a really big hug and everything. And Sienna said, oh, no, no, it's okay. Rob does that kind of thing. Don't, don't worry about it. It's nothing. You know. She said, no, no, you don't understand. She said, I had come in this morning deciding that I was going to kill myself. Life has been so hard. I got it all planned out. I planned I was going to work through the morning. I was going to go up on the roof at lunchtime. And then I was going to jump. I was going to jump because I'm so mad with the world. I wanted them all to see me kill myself. She said, but when he hugged me, when he held on to me, she said, something just left me. And she said, I don't want to kill myself anymore. I feel so different. I feel free. I feel happy for the first time in years. Come on. Yeah. Do you know who's inside of you? Perfect love casts out, and you wouldn't even know it. And That woman's still alive today because she had an encounter with a presence carrier. <laughs> Amen?